Check, check. I'm recording too. Good morning or good afternoon whenever you're listening to this. This is Friday, January 29th for a weekly uh, Mount Washington Avalanche Center outreach podcast joined by Frank Karras. I'm Andrew Drummond and we're here to talk about um, all things happening up on Mount Washington, specifically Avalanche and any, any other backcountry hazard information. Uh, Frank, how you doing? Um, good, been better. Um, part of the staff is uh, under the weather now, including myself from the second round of COVID vaccine. Not to complain, it's good to have it, but man, it's kind of a butt kicker. Um, we're two, all of us got, got it this week and we're all on various levels of uh, recovery at this point. Ibuprofen and couch sitting is my, um, my uh, strategy today. But yeah, we had a busy yeah, week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't make it in into the shop today, and I think if you picked a, a couple days to lay low, that this is a good one. Uh, it's pretty cold out there. Huh? Yeah, totally, minus twenty two this morning, and as we say in the in the snow ranger world, stuff breaks when it's that cold, and uh, including snowmobiles and piston bullies, and it's a uh, it's a combination of Murphy's law and material science, I think. So hopefully there's not a lot of people out there other than maybe doing some Sherburn laps. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, it's been a busy, busy week, both uh, from, I guess, numbers wise, people getting out skiing and then also from just weather, the dynamic weather pattern that we've we've been in with uh, new snow, sleeper pow, wind, wind uh, gusts changing. Last weekend we had a uh, 157 mile an hour winds up on Washington that moved all that unconsolidated snow from the previous, all those upslope events that we were in. It seemed like the snow globe of last week. And then this weekend shifted that all around and completely changed the, the snow structure up there. And um, yep. yeah, what were you seeing and uh, what's it looking like up there? Yeah, well, yesterday um, in Tuckerman Intervene, the signs of that 157 mile an hour wind were you know, covered a fair amount by this three to four inches that fell, I believe that was on Tuesday, um, shut off early Wednesday morning, I believe. And then we had real moderate winds or even, well, on the technical scale, moderate, but for us, like almost no wind um, in the teens and 20s, which is, um, again, unusual and very similar to what we had. I think that was last week, the sleeper pal that um, ended up coating the uh, you know, we got much more of it, 20-something inches um, of that the previous week, but that three to four inches was no joke. Um, we also have collected like a, a trace to an inch um, all these other days of the week as the clouds kind of obscure the summit and then blow off. And um, on those light winds, you know, they we still get some sloughing and a little bit of movement due to wind, but really not enough to create these larger wind slabs so yesterday was was like that um you know soft snow you could get a crack here and there um but largely you know uncohesive snow on the surface up to the knee in areas where it had collected either flown flowed down from buttresses or um, been gently wind uh, moved around by the wind um, it, was, it was a little little challenging because there was certainly a mix that snow was uh, the new snow was pretty low density, so as you're scanning or moving around, you'd often find yourself on the uh, 157 mile per hour wind slab. I guess we'll call that call it that going forward. 
um, pretty pretty uh, firm snow for sure, and the uh, you know wind whales were were here and there. So those actually kind of made an obstacle while you were skiing to some degree. Um, snow looked a little smoother on the right side. People were enjoying right gully and um, pretty soft snow. Probably not quite as deep as where I was and where the um, aspects that faced north had, had gathered a little more snow. So that included upper left gully and shoot and got reports of a good run in, in south gully um, where the snow was still unconsolidated. Uh, the key thing was that that changed last night. Um, we had I think it was six or so, six to eight hours of, of winds up around the 50 mile an hour mark. So today we pushed up more towards the upper end of moderate rating due to just those wind slabs growing a bit. Um, I posted a few things about the, the danger rating scale as well as the um, size of avalanches, pointing out that not only is our danger rating scale um, logarithmic, but also so is the size rating, the D scale. So I try to do that to point out to folks who um, underestimate what's going on under a moderate danger rating where you know, we're, we're driven by a number of factors when we come up with those danger ratings and we're really trying to be accurate rather than conservative. Um, so people really need to heed the fine print, so to speak, in those, um, in those forecasts, including the, you know, the forecast discussion and the wind slab, uh, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the wind slab, the avalanche problem, which is usually wind slab, but, um, all those details could help you sort through it, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, that's uh, pretty rowdy today, I would imagine, um, with the increased wind and, you know, anytime it's super cold, it's just this sense of urgency and, um, harder to communicate and not get frostbitten and, um, really kind of takes it up a notch in, in, uh, in the decision-making, you know, you might tend to rush some decisions, which could otherwise, uh, be better, um, made, you know, with a little bit of a longer powwow with your partner. Um, we also have seen more continued just um, behavior that just is terrifying for us. Um, some climbers um, making their way right center punching up the floor yesterday morning, right up, um, you know, what we call Chicken Rock Gully, which is that little gully to lookers left of Lunch Rocks and beneath the lip. Um, they just were moving together um, pretty clearly with, uh, with not really any concern about or even thought to mitigating their exposure to the avalanche hazard. They stopped on the big rollover below Sluice, again, bunched up, which in my mind, that rollover at Sluice is one of those watch out places where it's very heads up if I ever move across that. And I never do it without carrying any speed or without carrying significant speed. And even then, I think it's probably not a great practice, but then they proceeded up into Sluice and um, started to climb that um, that area to the left of the water ice fall and fell off of a boulder. One of them did and triggered a small slab which released sympathetically like a, basically it's that two inch wind skin. Um, so at the end of the day, you know, no harm, no foul, but it was pretty clear from how they were traveling that um, they were only safe because they were lucky.
Um, there's no no apparent assessments there going on. Um, so yeah, right. And yeah. For, for, well, I guess like for anyone that hasn't been up in the ravine in the last week, it's the landscape is continually changing, look, looking more and more like a normal midwinter midwinter conditions. Some features are starting to be hidden, um, con- and it's like like what you see in the, that area in Sluice, that's a good thing to bring up is because I think a lot of people find, um, we, we spoke about it last time about how you just like, as soon as you get in the floor, you hook a right and just really get out of, out of, um, hazard way or like, you know, a, a typical avalanche path or eliminate the ability for something to come down on you, whether that's triggered naturally or by a human, because again, you can see the runouts from the, the slough alone is impressive how far the slough will go. And that's not even a, um, like a traditional, a real slab avalanche. And, and when that stuff comes, it comes fast and in a pretty big path. So no, that's a good point to bring up. I think some of those ridges on above lunch rocks, you know, you can sort of tuck into those and put out of like the direct path and sluice has other hazards. You have that ice fall up there and the ice fall of sluice, you know, we were up there the other day when it was warming and the sun starts hitting it and you have that as an overhead hazard. And yeah, it's just not good in, to, to stand around in some of those spots, especially if you're traveling close together. And, um, anyway, yeah, that ice fall could be a potential trigger as well. Right. And that the snow that sloughs off into that little bowl like feature below, below the ice has been the scene of some pretty big avalanche activity. Like it's, the terrain factor that's in your favor is that it's a convex or a concave feature there, but it really gets steep right there below the cliffs and the base of the ice. And, uh, you know, if you trigger that and it's, if you have any amount of snow above you, like you're going into lunch rocks at a high rate of speed and that's never good through getting strained through that. Um, you know, it's not a frequent runner in there, but when I've seen it avalanche, it's pretty ugly. And, you know, there's, it's complex you know there's a lot of intersecting terrain features that you have to sort through so really not a good way to go to the summit i'm sure those folks never read the avalanche forecast but anyone listening you know if you wanted to do a little bit more exciting route to the summit than winter lion's head route or you want to get to the top with your skis like by far right gully is the better choice Um, much easier to reduce your exposure time getting up there then definitely through sluice or across the tux trail oh man uh well uh let's talk about this weekend uh i know a lot of people are gonna probably i'd imagine pick sunday as the day just looking at the weather um you know aside from the avalanche you know avalanche hazards forecast it's it's going to be cold and you're saying before that poses a whole other set of problems and exposure and if shit hits the fan it's it's not not good and and how to be prepared for for temps like this so yeah it's tough and it it also like just stability wise you know cold temperatures can slow down and even reverse the stabilization process right of all those grains bonding to each other you really don't want the super cold weather um and you know that brings up the other point is we're still really wondering what's going on with that ice crust the 116 ice crust so a lot of these wind slabs are sitting on top of that and um, it's really hard to dig to in spots um, but it is 
not that far below the surface. So um, mostly it's covered by that 157 mile an hour um, wind slab, but it's important to remember like the, the big summit snowfield avalanche in what, 2014, you know, that was on a persistent crust, uh, an old interface that was buried, um, geez, it was months prior to when it avalanched. So, um, you know, that's just one more reason where, why you, you move carefully. You know, you go with another person and you wear a beacon probe and shovel and there's uncertainty, you know, out there. And um, even if the even if we're at a low danger rating, like if you look through the, there's so many papers written about monster persistent slab avalanches um, waking up during a low danger rating. And, uh, you know, that's not the fault of the forecaster so much as it really fits that criteria um, for the da for the danger scale. And, um, you know, if you, you can't, uh, people just get message fatigue if it's moderate every day and nothing happens, you know, nobody triggers anything and no naturals happen. So, you know, we end up, um, forecasters will end up in those low days like, yeah, it's green. I hope people really don't think that low means go without thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, that could be that's, that's something to keep in the back of your mind. I suspect that, um, you know, it's going to be other pressing problems like the more recent wind slabs right over that 157 mile an hour slab. This is the primary problem. Um, but, yeah, just don't take those other that ice crust off your radar just yet. It could be could be rotting and decomposing in this cold cold weather. And then the other thing, before I go on, <laughs> I'm rambling here, but Keep going. the ice crust, um, you know, where it's been exposed above tree line, where it's closer to the surface, it's more likely to facet out and degrade. So that, um, we know that crust has facets beneath and there's a lot of dry, loose snow under it. So if at some point that ice crust weakens enough that the wind can rip it up, um, those can produce quite a surprise for forecasters or for, for other people in the field when, you know, you think that the 50 mile an hour wind is not really moving snow anymore. And then all of a sudden the crust starts being pulled up, um, and then accessing all that snow beneath. So that's just another one of those uncertainties that keeps us up at night and should keep people traveling safely. I mean, that's always like any time the rangers low, the, like the forecast is low, like in winter conditions with this much snow. It's the, the constant reminder of have good practices traveling in, in avalanche terrain. Just keep it keep it all the same. Don't think that just because the scale changes or something that you can all of a sudden put all that those practices aside and do what you want up there. That's the complacency problem that we see quite frequently. And oh, yeah. And familiarity, like people just just go out and assume that we're wrong. Like, go out and look for reasons why your assumption about stability is is wrong. You know, if you go looking for what you're trying to find, you're more likely to find it, right? So if you can convince yourself, like, oh, this is stable, this is fine, it's going to be fine. And then all of a sudden, the shooting crack, right? And you're like, yeah, well, it's just a small shooting crack. Well, no, it's a sign of instability, right? <laughs> you know? It's uh, it's just all too easy to fool yourself, um, and you know everyone's vulnerable to that. So, um, but you know we'll try to be accurate with those ratings. But I think it's really important for people to really scrutinize the danger rating scale, how it works. You know, acknowledge the fact we never hit extreme. 
pretty much, pretty much never, you know, rarely hit high. So that, that gives us three danger ratings to work with. And, and uh, you know, there's a widespread even within those three. So you really want to scrutinize the travel advice, the uh, size and the distribution and, um, and, and probability of triggering. Like all those things are just super important to really ferret out, you know, like a moderate allows for an, a, a large avalanche in an isolated location. That could be the lip today, you know, and it could go D2 or more, bury multiple people on the floor, right? If it was triggered by a human, then that's accurate. And there's some wiggle room, you know, just know that like people, people are wrong. We get the, you know, if we get the danger scale rating right on, that's great. But, you know, studies will show that, uh, you know, forecast centers and are off sometimes by up as, as much as two danger ratings. Um, we have a smaller area, so we don't, we're not off in that, you know, we're not off that much usually, thankfully, but yeah, take, take good, all good. Well, it's a, yeah. salt. Yeah. It's a, it's just one tool, one tool out of many tools that you need, need to have with you, um, when you're going to, um, the mountains here. So we're going to wrap this up. We're approaching 20 minutes. Um, I did want to touch back on the, um, January 22nd avalanche. You had, you sent me some some uh, stats on that you got some more information um yeah fill us in yep happy to report that um the individual skis were found so after that high danger day um some folks found uh the ski something just barely poking out of the snow and they retrieved those skis and brought them down and i connected those folks um with the skier one and they're gonna get those back to them so that's awesome the other point, and I feel pretty bad about this, was that turns out skier two actually did ski to his friend and found him, but was unable to dig him out because he didn't have a shovel. So that's why it continued down um, to, to the rescue cache. And I think that, you know, that didn't come up in our conversations. He was quite, you know, shaken and, um, you know, it, I just got that detail wrong, which uh, skier one um, straightened me out on yesterday. Um, and then the other really interesting tidbit was, uh, that the skier who was carried was, uh, wearing a Garmin watch, GPS watch that, um, recorded his 850 descent, uh, foot descent at 53 miles an hour. Um, and just a reminder, that was just a little six inch thick slab, like a little bigger than a pocket, you know, approaching D2. So kind of the real deal. 53 miles an hour into a rock would really be a bummer. So, yeah, uh, all, all that avalanche activity on Saturday changed things. And it's, uh, it's real out there. Take a class. Pay, pay close attention to the forecast. Reach out to us. We're happy to talk snow and uh, give travel advice to folks about what's good and what isn't um, if you see us. So... Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for all that information. That's a ton. I think just everything we just, that you just talked about over the past 15 minutes or so, it's a lot, there's a lot going on and this is it. This is the real deal every week. It's going to be changing. So don't just think that if you have your, your trip on a a schedule that you're going to, that everything's going to be like ready to go and perfect. There's going to be a lot of um, decision-making involved and trip planning to 
and you you're going to be limited most of the time by what uh what the conditions allow yeah i think i think it's really smart for people skiing midwinter i mean the vast majority of skiers 99 percent of us should just assume we're not going to be skiing down from the top of any gully you know if you want to live a long time just assume that's not going to happen and if you get there and you find something different and it seems reasonable i mean that's awesome then it's a bonus but you know, lowering your expectations yeah, that's can a bonus. lead people to safer decisions. You know, if you've got like a a good alternative, like nothing wrong with skiing the Sherman. You know, absolutely, it's a good day in the mountains. Do two laps. You know, so good. Thanks for having me, Andrew, and uh, we'll see you out there. All right, heal up. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. Talk to you later. <laughs>